Hey, everybody. Uh, Shift and podcast with you again. It's me, Igor Bogayenko. Sorry for uh, a few weeks delay. We're back on track. It's going to be as usual every Monday, a new episode. This is episode number 21. And uh, the subject today is about socio-technical te- so- skills. That's, that's how they're called. That's the name I found on Wikipedia. And I think it really it actually describes what they, what they mean. Uh, as usual, the, the, the podcast is about uh, management, only management. So we will, I will try to make more educational, educational episodes in the future. And we'll continue to invite guests. Uh, I will try to invite more uh, practical people, uh, more like you know managers from uh, from real companies with real positions, with real teams and real problems, uh, to to and ask them you know more practical questions so they can share their experience. Uh, but when I'm alone, I will just share some you know I will just try to make it educational and 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 will say more abstract things like today. So yeah, I created some agenda. Uh, I actually wrote an article on my blog about what we're going to talk today. The article uh, was quite critical. I um, it's called. Let me show you the name. It's it's called. Are you a coder or a developer? There will be a link to the article in the show notes. And the article is quite critical. It says it it, it says what's wrong with uh, many programmers who are coming to us now to Xerocracy uh, trying to develop software with us and they fail quite frequently for the lack of socio-technical skills. So they know how to write code but they don't know how to to be a member of the team. And I and, and that was a critical article like saying this is bad but it didn't actually suggest anything there. So there weren't there, there was no uh, recommendations for for those who want to improve their skills. The only thing I said in the article in the end is that uh, you have to be a member of open source projects and uh, you know Stack Overflow activist, and that will be enough. You will just know how it works. This is partially true because definitely, if you work more, if you stay in this in in those open source projects for longer, then you will know how they work, and you will become more or less an expert. But uh, now I will just outline things which will probably help you to get, you know, on your feet faster. Uh, instead of spending months and years of, uh, of practicing in those projects, you can, I think you can improve faster if you just listen to me for the next hour. Uh, I decided to, uh, yeah, first a little introduction and then I'll give you the agenda and then we'll talk. Um, first, I think that programming now is a, a very different discipline from what it was years ago, like 20 years ago. When I, when I was really a kid, it was something. Now it's something completely different. It is, it is less about writing code now, and it's more about communicating with people, way more. So the coding itself and algorithms and uh, logic and the mathematics inside the code is is important of course but way less important than it was before for a number of reasons first of all we have uh, open source a lot of open source components around now and it's not really necessary right now right now to write everything or a lot of code from scratch like it was before so we basically take existing uh, libraries existing frameworks and just assemble them together and and our code just works Second, we stay remotely now. So we are uh, in most projects, or maybe in all projects, uh, teams don't sit together. They work either from home sometimes or even from different countries or from different uh, parts of the world. So we are now way more remote than it was before. And that's why communicating between programmers is becoming more difficult than it was before but at the same time, uh, faster, at the same time, more formal, at the same time, mo- more in English than it was before, and so on. And, uh, and uh, also, 
Yeah, the first change, like I mentioned, the first, well, what, what actually changed? The first one is we have open source, so we don't need to write that much. The second one is people are remote, so we need to communicate in some other way than it was before. So these probably are two changes. And maybe the change number three is that, like I said many times before, is that programmers now are way more expensive than they were before, and the, the hardware is way less expensive than it was before. So now the people are, people are uh, the expensive resource, and the hardware is inexpensive resource. That also changed the, the landscape, changed the, um, changed the tone and the, and the mood of the entire industry. So we are, we are different now. And we need to adopt to that. We need to change as well. We need to, you know, how they say it, embrace the changes. So we need to, uh, to, to become different. So we are more assemblers now and aggregators of the code and builders of components and, and, and builders of systems from components than code writers. We have to be like that. Of course, you can stay a code writer, but in that case, I think your future is kind of limited. So you will be always focused on some really, you know, some, some, something really small. And if you want to go big, then you will need to become an assembler instead of code writer. So you need to assemble things together. Uh, and that's why you need social skills. Because uh, you need to know how to find that components. You need to know how to communicate with the authors of that components. You need to know uh, how to resolve problems with the, while assembling them together. You need to know how to use the framework. You cannot rewrite everything from scratch like it was before. You need to, uh, you need to become a part of the ecosystem in order to be successful. And many people don't know that. Uh, probably, first of all, because... Uh, they don't teach us that in schools and universities. They teach us math, they teach us physics, they teach us uh, computer science, they teach us algorithms, uh, different languages, different programming languages, but they don't explain us what to do when somebody is rejecting your code and your pull request and you don't know what to, to do next. There is no such course, as far as I know, in any university which will tell you what are the best practices to use on GitHub? You, you, you just learn it, you know, when you start working. But this, is, this skill is way more important now than your ability to sort a list of numbers, to, you know, to implement the binary sorting or the bubble sorting or, or, and see the difference between them. Because the sorting is already implemented. You're not going to do any sorting. In your, when, I mean, I'm writing code for... You know, for, for the last 10 years in writing code, I never did any sorting. I, I, I don't think I ever implemented any algorithms or invented any algorithms. I was just using pieces of code and, and putting it together, creating something, under, uh, something bigger than that component. But smaller elements already exist. So, but they don't teach us that. They don't explain us in a university how to, let's say, how to find... Uh, how to find the right library in GitHub, and uh, how, to how to see the difference between a uh, properly supported library and not proper, and, and a dead library, which is not supported. Or how to uh, submit a ticket to uh, an open source GitHub project, or not an open source, but a closed source, some commercial uh, repository. What's the right way to submit a ticket? They, they teach us testing, maybe, and software engi engineering. But the practical things which, which we face when we start working with them, uh, we don't have education for that. They just don't explain us. So that's the first problem, why we don't have these social skills. And the second thing, the, which also uh, I think is important, is that programmers are mostly you know, mathematicians and mostly, as they say, introverts and people who are not really enjoying uh, talking to other people and then having conversations and, and working with people. They enjoy working with the code. So they go into computer science, they study computer science, they study math, uh, mathematics, because they love it, because they, are, they enjoy sitting in front of the computer and not talking to anyone, just working with the code. But then they, they, they and us and me and you, we just go to uh to to the world 
and we start writing code and we start uh, contributing in somewhere and we start getting some code from somebody and we realize that that our uh, uh, our code writing skills are way less necessary here than our ability to convince for example another programmer that my changes to this class are better than the changes he made you see so we just realize that no matter how brilliant mathematicians we are we're not going to achieve anything or almost anything uh, if we are in the team in the team we need something else we need different skills but we don't have them because we don't enjoy them what do I mean we don't like to be you know team players we like to be code writers so that's the second problem first of all they don't teach us second we're innately you know by by design we're different creatures so what we can do we can learn we have to learn to, how to do that i think that's well i'm doing that i'm learning and i'm and i'm, I'm going to show you and i'm going to share with you what what i learned and let's see when they met whether you can apply it to your to your work so i'm done with the introduction so let's jump to the content so imagine you're standing like I, when you when you uh when they the programmers who are coming to us and they they just uh we just put them into the project they i think so that they feel themselves as as if they are appeared in a big room of people and there's nobody who who, who know you so there's like the big room of strangers and they're doing something and you're just entering the room the door is closed behind you and you have to do something but you don't know these people you don't know what they're doing you don't know the rules you don't understand who is the boss here you don't know who makes the decisions but you need to achieve something immediately so when these people are you know joining our projects all our projects are remote we don't have an office we don't have a central chat place we don't have a place where they can communicate and discuss the only place they have is the github repository there are some list of issues tickets pull requests and that's it and then we have a test like do this so it's kind of stressful because like i said you don't know the rules you don't understand who these people are but you need to achieve something so i would recommend to how to you know structure this stressful situation and how to solve the problem of being lost in that in that room uh, i would say that i would uh, break it down into four steps the step number one is you prepare yourself and I'll explain now like all these four steps. The step number two is you need to catch their attention. Step number four, you need to keep them interested in yourself. And then step number four, step number three, and then step number four, you need to, to close your task. You need to finish what you wanted to, say, to, to do. So first of all, prepare yourself so you will be ready to, to deal with this, you know, random people. And then you catch the attention of some of them, so they will actually give you something. They will uh, be interested in what you're doing. Then you keep them interested for some time, so they will help you achieve your goal. And then you close, you finish your goal. Well, by close, I mean most cases you resolve the problem or you get information or your pull request is merged. So something is done. And now let's go one by one, all the four steps. So step number one is you prepare yourself. Uh, I read a research recently, I, I, I can't really actually find it, but I, I remember I, I read that uh, idea, maybe if you find it, you can, you can send it to me, I'll, I'll add it to the, to the show notes. Uh, they're saying, some, some scientists, they're saying that, uh, uh, that women and men are, behave differently when they're lost in the city, for example. So women are easier to uh, go to the stranger and ask for the information. And men are more uh, inclined towards uh, looking into maps and searching the information in Google or something like that. So, so women are more open, they communicate freely, and men are more closed. And then the, the, the scientists, they make a conclusion that that's their assumption. They're, they're, uh, uh, they try to answer the question why it's happening. And they're saying that men are more hierarchical creatures. So for them, it's more important uh, who is the boss. And for women, it's less important. And information or lack of information is actually the weakness as we 
men or women we see that so for us the more information you have the more powerful you are and coming to a stranger and asking uh, where's the uh, where's the train station it's like publicly demonstrating your weakness and because men are more hierarchical so it it, it uh, uh, it's more it hurts us more uh, and we don't want to do that so it's better for us to find that information somewhere else instead of publicly showing our weakness my point is here so why I'm giving you this example is that uh, it's important, it's, I totally agree that the lack of information is weakness. And when you join a project and when you get into some, some repository or some territory of, uh, of, 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 of coding, then if you don't know anything, you are the weakest creature in the team. And it's not good. Nobody's going to respect you for that. Nobody's going to like you. Nobody's going to help you. And you will feel vulnerable. You will feel really weak if you don't know what's going on. So first of all, that's what I'm saying. You need to prepare yourself. So when you get into the project, read, read the source code, read the tickets, read the pull requests, which this team has already been uh, working with. So see the, see the territory and try to understand what's going on. Uh, read the descriptions of the tickets, the titles, how they title those tickets, how they describe them, how they, how they communicate to each other, who is the boss here, who is making decisions, uh, who is the most influential tech, technical person. Also read the source code, see how the code is designed. So you need to, uh, you need to, to, to get yourself prepared for the rejections, for the, uh, for the rules they will apply to your changes, to your code. So read, read and read. That's first thing. Second, when you don't have the information, when you can't find the information in the code, then my recommendation is use Stack Overflow before you ask somebody. Most people are used to, you know, to use friends and, uh, and uh, colleagues and programmers around to ask questions. It makes you vulnerable. It makes you, it makes you look, look uh, not stupid, but it makes you look weaker. So they're not going to, like I said, they're not going to respect you a lot if you ask a lot of questions. That's just, that's just how it works. So you better go to Stack Overflow and ask there. Because there, nobody cares about who you are. There's everybody ask questions there. It's a platform for that. So ask there and get answers there. So try to use it. I mean, learn how to use it. And get yourself used to use Stack Overflow. Instead of, uh, instead of the project, even the project uh, communication channels. Because some people, that's what I see, some people in our cases, they just join us and the first thing they do is, of course, they don't understand what the project is about in some cases and they don't know the, uh, the code and they start posting tickets uh, which are titled like question. Like, here's the question from me, can anybody, somebody explain me how this set of classes work? Or explain me how can I do this and that? Or explain me this? Or... Uh, and, and, and any sorts of questions. And in most cases, we just close that tickets. And, and very often, uh, I do that. I close them. And I, I ask them to like go to some other channels, mostly Stack Overflow, and ask questions there. So just, just do that. Try to ask you know, as little questions as possible in the beginning when you prepare yourself. So don't just, don't overuse, uh, uh, don't abuse that instrument that's what i would say uh, prepare yourself find information read the tickets read the pull requests read project documentation i would not really trust too much the project documentation because i think the most important part of the repository is the dynamic information uh, i meaning the tickets and pull requests because there you will see the actual dynamic between people you will actually see the interactions between them and you will understand way more what's going on in comparing to uh, to the static pages of of, of of some text of some documentation which was written by somebody and and then left there for 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 you know for strangers to read so I more I will recommend you to pay more attention to discussions in tickets discussion in in, in issues and pull requests than to com than comparing to a static documentation so that will help you to prepare so prepare, prepare, prepare. That's very important. The more you learn, the more you the information you collect, the stronger you will be. The, the safer you will feel in the next three steps. And the safer you feel, the stronger you feel, the more 
uh, chances for success you have. Step number two is uh, catch their attention. Uh, again, imagine it's a room of people, strangers for you. They know each other a little bit or more. They know how they work. They maybe work for a year already and they really know, or maybe a few years. They know a lot of things about the project. And they don't like you, well, because you're a stranger. They, they don't owe you anything. They don't, in most cases, they don't want to help you. I mean, that's, um, maybe I'm a little bit exaggerating, but in reality, that's how it is. Because all of them are focused on solving their own problems, on solving their tasks, on making their own money. And just voluntarily, altruistically helping somebody, especially when that somebody is asking stupid questions, not so many people will do that. So you need to catch their attention. You need to, uh, to make them stop doing what they're doing and start doing what you want them to do. For example, you submit a new, uh, a new ticket saying that you found a bug or you, or you uh, found a problem and you want that ticket to be uh, processed somehow and you want some, get some points for, for, for submitting that question. Or, for example, you get a task and here's the task in front of you and you are interested to, you know, to collect more information about the task. You need somebody to, to join you and explain you that. You need to catch their attention. To do that, I would recommend to be less as, as well, you may think that you need to be noisy, you need to be verbal, you need to be vocal, you need to, uh, you know, to, to scream as loud as possible in the middle of the room and then everybody will pay attention to you. But it doesn't really work like that in a technical team because, uh, you know, it's a technical team and in my experience, maybe I'm just speaking just for myself, but in my experience, I pay the most attention to people who are, uh, who look professional. So when somebody joins the project, I don't know that person yet. I don't know where he or she is coming from, what's the background. I know a little bit, but that's it. And then I'm getting a ticket from that person saying like, hey, I found a bug. This doesn't work like that and that doesn't work like this. We need to fix it. What do I pay attention for? So what catches my attention? I'll tell you right now. First of all, I briefly look at the, at the, at the, at the profile, at the GitHub profile of that person. The image, the description, the email, the title, the list of repositories, uh, the, the, the amount of followers, just basic you know, overview of what that person is. And if there is nobody, no avatar, no description, nothing, it's just an empty account, I immediately realized that I don't want to waste my time on even reading what that person said. So maybe later I'll jump to something else. Maybe tomorrow, maybe the day after tomorrow, I'll get back to that ticket and maybe I'll do something. But I, I don't feel myself obliged to, uh, you know, to do anything for that person immediately. But if I see it's a real person with a picture on the avatar, the real face, the real name, uh, the real information about the place, all these, you know, like uh, social attributes, and I see the list of some list of followers. I see that there are some uh, some repositories there. So I know it's a real person, and that person deserves some uh, some not respect, that, but deserves my time. Something like that. It's not just about deserve. Actually, it's about uh, investment, which I will do. Because if I give my time to that person, I kind of invested into that ticket. I invested into the work. If that person is a completely total stranger, which may quit the project tomorrow, because look at his profile or her profile. There's nothing there. It doesn't seem like serious. It doesn't seem that person is seriously interested in, uh, in being in the ecosystem, in being in the community. So why I should be interested in helping that, that guy? So that's what I pay attention first, briefly. Then if I see, okay, that is a real person and I'm, I'm interested to, you know, to, to invest my time and, 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 and I know that I, I answer the question or I provide the information, and uh, the ticket will move forward. I kind of predict that. Um, second, I pay attention, a lot of attention, to how the ticket is described. So what kind of, what's the structure of information that person is giving me? How, how that person can structure the information? If 
the title of the ticket is uh, something is broken or here is the bug or help me then it's an obvious sign for me that uh, that I should move on I should just you know close the ticket and maybe later I'll get back to it so in a room if the person just enters the room and says hey please help me I need help I'm gonna just ignore that person because it's just a, it, he's just hysterically screaming and unable to structure the flow of information but if that person enters the room and says uh, here's what I have I need this and this from you and this is what you get in return sounds professional I will definitely talk to that person and maybe help so I pay attention to how what's the title of the ticket and what is the description and I pay attention a lot to the formatting actually of the of the text so you know that the github uses uh, markdown and many other issue trackers they also use markdown so if the, the description of the if the text which I'm reading is not formatted anyhow then it also is a good sign for me that the person who is submitting the information is not investing his time or her time into structuring the information for me so what's the point for me to invest my time into helping that guy it's a very little point it's not because I'm greedy and I don't want to give my time but because I understand that my investment is not going to help we're not going to move forward that person is uh, what's the right word is uh, uh, it's not I don't know the right word but it's not organized enough is not professional enough uh, so the chances of success for that particular ticket are lower because the person is not professional so it means that he has not enough experience in working in you know this ecosystem this re this uh, the open source world or github world let's call it this way because not all not all our projects are open source we have closed source projects it's not everything so not, uh, it's not about open source it's about the, the the ecosystem so if the person doesn't know how to format the question how to format the text it's a it's a it, it in most cases it means lack of experience lack of experience means lower chances for success uh, also it's important to see how the 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 ticket is structured how that person uh, formulates the, the the story the problem the right way to formulate it is to say here's what I'm doing here's what I'm expecting and here's what I'm getting so there's a bug for example and all tickets are supposed to be designed as in this format this is what I'm having right now what I'm doing this is what I'm getting from from what I'm doing and this is the expected result the expected result doesn't match uh, the actual result that's why it's a bug with all the links with all the supplementary information with all the cross links to other tickets everything has to be together and in very short compact com, uh, short and uh, compressed form that's also yet another mistake when people are submitting you know long texts of uh, long pages of text thinking that the more they write the more attention they will catch but it doesn't work that way again imagine a room of strangers and you're coming in and start reading and reading and telling us something and telling us something how much attention you will get only a little bit in the beginning and then we will all understand that 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 you are not professional enough even to structure your thoughts so we'll just turn away and keep doing what we are doing before and you will be standing there saying something saying something I will be just ignoring you and ignoring you so don't make it happen in github so make it as short as possible the shorter the ticket the more interested I am to help you and to answer it um, also it's important to see like I just said it's important to see that the link that the ticket you're suggested submitting uh, has enough links to other tickets which will tell me that you did the investigation you you learned something you investigated the territory you found uh, similar problems we had before or similar pieces of code or similar pull requests we had before and you link them saying that hey we tried that to solve that problem here we tried it there we tried it a few months ago here it, it didn't work so here are the here's the list of links I mentioned them all and here's my problem coming now it's like when you're doing you know uh, a scientific research a scientific article nobody gonna 
pay attention to your research if it starts from, hey, I got an idea, here it is. Because in that case, it will sound like you didn't do the research, you, didn't, you, you don't know what other people did before. Uh, and, 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 and that's why we're not going to trust the information you're giving us now. Because we don't think you're serious. We don't think you actually uh, invested enough uh, into that conversation. So why should we invest, invest anything? So that's my second, second point, is that in order to catch attention, you have to look professional, you have to act, prof act professional, and even if you're not professional in, project, in this project, you have to pretend that you are professional. And how to pretend, I just explained. Be short, uh, be specific, um, be as non-verbose as possible. So be not quiet, but, uh, but say only the things you need to say. Be very technical, very focused on things. And, and make sure you look right. On the, on the social network, which is GitHub. GitHub is not only a platform for coding now, it's a social network. It has friends, it has followers, it has uh, images, you know, the face of the person, it has some information about the person. So be there, be presented there in as professional way as you can. That will give you more followers, more, uh, I will give you more of my time which will mean eventually more money because my time, his time, her time, we will all invest our time into helping you, which will help you to achieve your goals faster, which will make you make more money. That's what I wanted to say on the catch attention. Point number three is keep them interested. So let's say we got interested. You already started the conversation, you submitted a bug or a ticket, or you started to work on a ticket, and then you ask me something, and I'm interested, I gave you some response, and then we start talking. So you answer back, I answer you, you ask something else, I answer. So we keep a conversation there. And you don't want to lose me on this conversation. You don't want me to go away and come back to you in five days. You want me to answer you in the next five minutes. And I'm not in the same room with you. You cannot just hold my hands and, and, and ask for, you know, and look into my eyes and ask for my attention for the next 20 minutes. No, I just answer you, close my laptop, and maybe I'll never get back to this problem unless I'm interested to be with you. So the question is how to keep me interested if I'm in uh, California and you are in, uh, in India. So how can you do that? And it's, it's important for you to do that because without me, you will not achieve the goal. It's all, you know, teamwork. So it's it, like, a, like we started to the discussion. Uh, it's not about you just writing code. It's about you actually pushing your code through and making your code appear in, in the repository. And to do that, you, you need help. You need other people who will review your code, who will accept your code, who will give their ideas for your code and all that. Uh, so my recommendations is that, uh, like I said before, be short. Again, I'm, I'm speaking for myself. I'm just sharing my experience. So I'll tell you what I, what I don't like when I see. So when I keep the conversation, what turns me off? First of all, it's a, it's a lot of words. So if, I, if, if my message to you is like, uh, I don't know, how about we use this class and that of that? What do you think? How about we, you know, change the method from, from here to there? And then I'm getting the answer of five paragraphs. And then I'm saying again, yeah, yeah, maybe it's not that way. Let's, let's, let's change, you know, the other way around. And then again, I'm getting five paragraphs of text. That's annoying because it's a misbalance of information. If I'm just saying a few words, it's logical for me to, to expect a few words from you back. From, from you back. Unless, okay, there are some situations when, yeah, I'm asking like for your, you know, very detailed opinion, and then you give me the detailed opinion. But very often people don't feel that balance, and they provide more words, bigger texts, than other people who they are talking to expect. So usually the rule of thumb here could be that you have to say, I mean, the, the size of your response has to be approximately the same as the size of the response other people are giving you. So don't be the most vocal, the most verbose person in the communication channel. That will only lead to, to isolation. People will try to ignore you if you are becoming the most vocal person. If you are saying, if you are providing the biggest amount uh, of words, then most likely, most likely, uh, 
you are not the, the person uh, everybody will be interested to talk to. Again, it's my it's my perception. So I really don't like when 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 somebody in the ticket starts to talk a lot. I I I try to ignore it for some time. Maybe I just want to that person to come down, or so I don't know. Some some kind of a reaction. It turns me off when I see that. So be very sure. Be as sure as possible. If you, if it's difficult for you to be sure, then think more. Write maybe write a longer text and then sit sit for a few minutes. And try to minimize it, try to make it shorter, try to, try to compress it, and turn it into just one line of information. Just remember that, that the code platforms, coding platforms like GitHub, they are not for chats, they are not for having good time. They are for achieving very specific technical goals. And my goals are different from your goals. Your goal is, for example, to close that pull request and make sure the code gets merged. My goal is different. My goal is to close my pull requests or to close my tickets. So if I'm working with you with your pull request, I'm helping you somehow, then, uh, then most, likely, uh, most likely I'm doing it kind of altruistically. Well, in many cases. Sometimes they're, they're also, I'm also paid for that. But uh, expect people to kind of help you, sort of. And in order for them to help you, I, I'm, I think you need to be short and very specific. Um, also, what turns me off is when people uh, make too many mistakes in their texts. I think I'm saying just obvious things now. But if your texts, we're, we're all, most of us are not English you know, native speakers. But uh, when the text is long and it contains many mistakes, you know, grammar mistakes, then it becomes so difficult to read it and uh, it becomes so non, not interesting to read it and it shows me, it demonstrates me again that the chances of success for that particular programmer uh, are very low. So why should I help that, that person? Why should I invest my time into this ticket if there are other 50 tickets staying next to it which I can invest my time into and the chances there are higher because people speak better languages there, better language there. I mean, their English is better or, you know, at least they can write uh, with less mistakes than the, than the first person. We don't have perfect, you know, languages. I, I make a lot of mistakes. All of our programmers make a lot of mistakes. But I'm just saying that we need to try to make less of them. And, and sometimes I just see people uh, just paying no attention to that. They are either uh, just in a rush, they don't want to spend more time, they just type something, they make a lot of mistakes, just send a message and, and move on. So it feels like, for me, it feels like, like kind of an uh, arrogant approach. So they think that I owe them something. So they just drop me a piece of text and, and expect me to decrypt it, understand it, uh, spend some time on um, investigating what they actually meant and then answering them. I can do it once, I can do it twice, but if I, if I keep seeing that coming from the same programmer, I start to ignore that person. I start to pay less and less attention, attention to that messages. And eventually, his goals or her goals will not be achieved because of me, paying, because of me ignoring them. Um, also recommendation which I would give for a GitHub uh, ecosystem is that sometimes people are uh, even though it's a social platform, it is it's, it's a social technical platform. So you don't need to be there. Uh, you know, you don't you don't need to uh, to apply the tip, the traditional social manners which you would apply in Facebook, for example. So on GitHub, you don't say hello. You don't need to say hello when you submit a new message or submit a new ticket. It's just, it's just not how people work there. It's not, not how people communicate there. You don't say hello. You don't say goodbye. You don't say uh, thank you for, for something which doesn't make sense. So you don't say thank you just because you, uh, you know, enjoyed the conversation. So you always focus on, on, on technical uh, things instead of, uh, instead, of, uh, instead of social. So even though I'm saying it's social slash technical, but in case of Facebook, it's like 99% social and 1% technical. In case of GitHub, 
it's maybe you know 20 percent social and 80 percent technical so you need to focus your conversations and discussions on technical things and then a little bit be social but some people overplay that and they they become too social they become too polite they apply a lot of manners which turns into noise in the end it sounds like noise and again demonstrates your lack of experience of you know of living in this territory of being here and if you have less experience again it means for me what that your chances for success of your ticket are less so for me it's better to move on to something else uh, also a few recommendations I can give you can get I can give you uh, now but you can get them from my article on the blog which is called uh, five principles of bug tracking it's like three years old article or maybe four years old it's quite old but it, uh, it more or less you know uh, completely summarizes uh, what you need to pay attention for when when talking uh, in the when talking in the, in the bug report and the ticket I'm writing now a new article, uh, which I'm going to publish maybe in a few weeks, which will give specific instructions uh, and list specific mistakes people are making in the in 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 the ticket uh, in in ticketing in their tickets in the issues GitHub issues or wherever you work, uh, and I will give practical examples. So there, there will be just a short list of things which we keep making, we keep repeating that mistakes, and there will be links to tickets to show how people did that. So now I'm collecting that, I'm building that collection right now, and I'll publish it in a few weeks. So, so stay tuned, and you will see it. So I don't want to just go through all of them right now because you will, you will read it anyway. But the best recommendation here is that you have to learn how to do it, and in order to learn that, you need to be in that territory. So try to to read, try to read the tickets people uh, created before you. So before you join the project, uh, or when you join the project, go through the tickets they closed, open fifty of them, and see how they communicate there. Do they say hello, goodbye to each other? Do they call each other by names or just by by GitHub handlers? Do they uh, uh, do they make excuses when they reject pull requests, or they just say the code is no good? See you later. Like understand their socio-technical manners. Let's let's call them that way, because in in different projects they are different. I I I saw different. Uh, patterns the behavior patterns and in our projects people behave more or less in the same way well because because they're used to do that and the majority of them do it that way so that's why when somebody new is coming in uh, we are forcing that newcomers to uh, to adopt uh, our principles of work but if you join some other project on github you may see different things so every time it's it's a it's a little bit different uh, some projects even describe their guidelines for uh, teamwork so you can read them you can read uh, some uh, some of them some of them even have special pages in their github report in their repositories where they explain what you need to do for example when you create a new pull request so what do you need to explain how do you need to structure it what what kind of formatting they expect uh, that's I would say it's really important to read that but more important is not to read their guidelines but to see how their tickets are structured because the guidelines they may be expired they may be not active anymore but the real tickets the real communication channels which you can see which you can uh, study yourself is what's going to give you the information so that that was the point three so you need to to keep them interested in order to keep them interested you need to look like a professional person I think so that's the I, I think that's the main the bottom line look like a professional person who knows how to formulate their thoughts who knows how to address their comments who knows how to uh, to not be noisy and be uh, tech focused and all that and now finally the point number four the step number four you need to close so you need to uh, remember all the time that your main objective is to make sure your pull request is merged 
or make sure your bug is accepted and will be fixed or to make sure the team or the architect manage to understand you. I've seen many situations where people forget that and they just think that, the, that their objective is to have fun or to, to prove their point or to, uh, to share as much, not personal information, but to share as much information as they can. It, it only makes an impression of yourself as somebody who, is, uh, who doesn't have anything else to do or is not professional, all that. So I pay attention and I give my time to people who are really focused on, on finishing the job, on finishing, on closing the, the ticket, on closing the conversation, on, on making sure we're done. So it's like result-oriented people get more uh, from the team than people who are process-oriented. So if you are oriented towards discussions and meetings and uh, sharing emotions and sharing information, then maybe in an office space where people sit together, maybe you will be the winner. In a remote team, in a team where people work like we do in GitHub ecosystem and uh, in distributed teams, then process-oriented people lose and result-oriented people win. So I would recommend you to stay result-oriented. So don't, don't keep the, the job too open for too long ask people in the in the ticket what needs to be done in order to close that and if you and if you don't do that then what happens to me is that i see that i see that behavior in you, in you and i understand that you're not a closer you're not a winner you're not a person who is oriented towards results i understand you as a as a process person and i in the future in your future jobs and your future tickets i will pay less attention to you I will know that, that you start some discussion, you start some conversation, we will talk for a while, and then you will just drop it and go to something else. But that problem will stay open for some time, and then maybe you will get back to it and close it, but later. While other people who I, talk, who I work with, they close faster. And that's why in Xerocracy we pay a lot of attention to the uh, job closing time. So we measure for all jobs we give to programmers, we measure how fast they close them, how many days it takes from the moment we assign a job to you to the moment we close it and pay you for it. And the good programmers, they do it in like four days. And bad programmers, they do it in like seven, eight, ten, and whatever days. So we are trying to give tasks and we give our machines, our software, uh, they pay attention to this, they pay a lot of attention to this metric. And it gives, uh, and it gives jobs to people with a shorter uh, closing time. So the shorter, the faster you close jobs, the, more, the better programmer you are for us. And for me personally as well. So if I see somebody who is just here to talk and, 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 and have a conversation with me, I'll try to ignore that people. Well, I'll, I'll, of course I'll do what I have to do, but I will be less interested and less motivated to help that people comparing to somebody who is closing and moving on to a new job. Closing and moving to a new job, to a new ticket. So recommendation number four, step number four is close, 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 close. Make sure you close what, you, what, what you're working with. That will make you look better for everybody. I think not only for me. Any open source project will appreciate that. Nobody liked that, you know, they call it stale tickets. So when you open a ticket or send a pull request, then they ask you for uh, some information and then you disappear for a few days and for a few weeks and then you come back, you give an answer. It, it kind of, you know, it makes it difficult for a project to manage itself when people are so uh, so slow I would say it so even if you have to uh, it's, it's even better to close something unfinished and open a new one instead of keeping one conversation or one ticket or one discussion for a long time open so if you see that the conversation that you started, the bug you submitted, for example, is not getting through, so the team is not accepting it for some reason, the architect is against it for some reason, or they're asking you too many questions, close it and create, for example, something smaller, or break it down into two parts, or do something else. So be flexible in that case, but don't, don't get stuck on one problem for too long, because that will demonstrate everybody that you're not a result person. 
and you're not a result person, we're going to ignore you. That's it. Simple as that. That's what I wanted to say, actually. I don't have anything else to share with you. Again, like I said, I will write an article which will give you like practical example of examples of things which are, uh, which you, which you, which you can f- improve, and there will be links to real tickets. So because everything I said now, there are no real examples. I'm just, I'm just, you know, giving you making up some some stories, but there will be real examples. Like here's the look at the ticket. There's somebody submitted it, and we rejected it, and that was the reaction. This is bad, or this is good. And you will you will see it in action how it should be. Uh, my final point is that it's really important to train that, that social skills. I don't think that I have them all and I have all the necessary ones. I still, I'm still learning. I'm, still, I'm quite often opening open source projects, not mine, and looking at how people are talking there. It sometimes makes me like really learn something and I'm trying to bring something from there to my projects. So, and, it, and it's very quickly and rapidly changing uh, uh, you know, world. So what was what was good two years ago and how people communicated two years ago is not how we communicate now. What tools we were using two years, five years ago is not what we're using right now. So it's always changing. It's really important to be uh, on the cutting edge of what's going on in this ecosystem and to be there the right way, the only way is to be open source contributors, stack overflow activists, and you can join Zerocracy. We have a number of sandbox projects, so-called, where you can join as, pro- as a programmer. And for, an, for, for a few dollars, we, we pay now some, some amount of money per hour. So you can try yourself, play a little bit. You're not going to damage anything because it's sandbox. But you can make some money and see how you can communicate with, with other programmers. A little bit of promotion now. Okay, that's it. I'm done for today. Uh, see you next time. It's every Monday in the evening, something like that. That was Shift M podcast episode number 21. Bye-bye.